Hello, Babylonians. Hey, guys. Hey, hi. Hello, all 50 states. <laughs> Even though it still hasn't registered, but he has listened. <laughs> have a locator on his phone is that a part of it i I don't really know because i remember when my friend in arizona uh poop her name eludes me now mom brain pregnant brain all the brain just me as a person Mm -hmm. um when she was listening it took a long time for arizona to finally register as a state that was listening to us but then eventually it just popped up but now we have several listeners in Arizona, so hey. Thank you. But yes, so it'll get there eventually. But regardless, I mean, he listened. And it we just, appreciate it so it is, much. It is. Oh, I didn't mention on the last one. So we talk a lot about like rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Mm-hmm. But Apple Podcasts is like really where it's at. I know not everybody used, listens on Apple. But we are ranked in four different countries now. Because before it was Sweden, Norway, and India, and now we are ranked in South Africa. Hey, thank you. <laughs> what? Thank you so much for ranking. I mean, for reviewing and and even if you just give us ratings, like that helps. It does, but we prefer preferably like if there's something you don't like, let us know what it is. Yeah, like episode thirty-seven, up. which we're going to redo. Yeah, we will. <laughs> I still have the notes. I found them. I still have them printed off. That was a Nate episode, and I think. I don't remember if he suggested this case to me today, but we just love Nate, so I'm just going to talk about him all the time. Yeah. And then um, our friend Mandy mentioned it to me. I think there was somebody else. People. Yeah, just all of you humans requested this case a lot. So, yay! And next episode, since it's our... The Big 50! 50 episodes, which just blows my tiny brain away. I love it. Kelly is coming back. The OG. The one so who much. started this podcast journey with me yeah. and then abandoned us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you guys knew our friendship, you'd know that's exactly how we are with each other. But <laughs> she's super excited. So I'm going to put together a super, not fun case, but super fun for all of us to be together and then be sad about it later. Yeah. Fact. She's like, do I need to give you another case to ruin your life? Like the James Bolger case? And yes. I'm like, no. Oh, no, no thank I mean, you. No. I mean, I just want to. Okay. So I got to see her briefly because she's a teacher and my son had a band concert, and one of her kiddos was in the... It doesn't matter. I got to love her. I got to hug her, and it was the best hug ever. It was long and, and hard. Yeah, and I totally creamed my panties. No. Um. <laughs> Welcome to this podcast. <laughs> no, I, she, uh, I'm so excited for her to be with us next week. Yes, like, so she's going to be on the couch with us next weekend. Uh, she's such so, an amazing human. We I both work her. next Sunday, so she's just going to go home, change real quick, and then she will be on the couch with us next week. Boom, shakalaka. And I still can't believe that we're going to be halfway through April. And I'm like, holy crap, I have nothing for this baby. <laughs> It'll happen. You will, you're going to have a baby shower. So. I know I am. Let's taco about a baby shower. Yes. We're going to have a taco bar and tamales. And that's all I know. Okay. And people will be there too. But mostly excited <laughs> for not. the food. <laughs> I can't guarantee there will still be food once I'm here. <laughs> Shana, Nicole, <laughs> you guys were just setting up. Where's it's all nacho the food? business. It's the nacho bar. There you go. But I've been like sitting there thinking about that. I'm like, oh man, I've got to start planning that. So I finally made a Facebook event. I'm getting she my did. life together slowly but surely. Um, my offspring is upstairs, so he said uh, he always knows um, on Sundays. Like he's programmed now, even if he doesn't know days of the week yet. We're working on it, mm. but um, he knows. He's like, is Aunt Nana coming over? I'm like, yes. He goes for the podcast. I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay. If I come down there, I'll be quiet. Good job, so, Boogie. He's so darn cute. Well, and then Xander's here with them, so he'll be entertained. They're best buddies, and oh, I may have to post that picture on Instagram of them. Yes. Oh my god, they took a cousin selfie of Xander kissing Arlo's cheek, and he is the biggest cheesiest grin it's such a good and it's photo the, yeah it's my facebook profile picture on my personal page i'm like oh my god this is so that, it needs to be printed we need yeah to print it. i'm gonna make a poster so yeah and a bedspread and, and a com- pillow yeah. and yeah. it's gonna go to college with xander one day it's fine <laughs> i ordered my nephew ethan's uh wait does he listen to this probably not no go ahead 
Well, <laughs> I ordered his gift today on the off okay. chance that he does. Sean already knows about it. And if I you do. want to know about it, just message me. All right, now let's talk about some not-so-fun things. Okay. Um, okay, so, yeah, like I said, this case was suggested by several humans to us, so thank you guys. Um, the suggestion, I still have more that I'm going to be getting done, so y'all are keeping me busy, that's for sure. So, we are going to travel way back in time, 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 to 1854. Okay. Four, four. Specifically, March 31st, 1854. is a Tuesday. I don't really know. <laughs> it's just my favorite day to say because that's yes. when we <laughs> launched these episodes. Um, is when Miss Jane Toppin was born. Toppin? Toppin? Her birth name was actually, actually, mm-hmm. I'm fine. Honora Kelly. Ooh. Or Honora. Honora. Maybe it's Honora. Because it, it's literally spelled like honor with an A. So maybe Honora Kelly. And That's Kelly is spelled like my mom's name. It's hey. spelled E-Y. Hey-o. Um, her, she ended up being nicknamed Jolly Jane later on, which is ironic. Um, she was the daughter of Irish immigrants. Her mom, Bridget, ended up dying of tuberculosis when Jane was very young. Mm. Her father, Pita. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> there goes all our British listeners. Mm. Um, <laughs> Peter was known to be a very eccentric and abusive alcoholic. Uh. He was even nicknamed Kelly the Crack, as in Crackpot. He was just crazy. Oh, so really? in later years, he became the source. Uh, Peter became the source of rumors concerning his insanity. One rumor being his madness drove him to sew his own eyes closed while he was working as a tailor. Oh my gosh. Like, and that was on several of the websites that I used. Like they said that he went nuts and sewed his own eyes shut because of whatever was mentally going on in his brain. I'm like, to be able to sit there and do that, not only to one eye that you can no longer see out of, but to sew your eyes shut. That is, yeah, he, (sighs) wowzers. It gives me like Coraline vibes when they sew the buttons in their eyes. Coraline (laughs) is not, I know a lot of people like it. I'm not a huge fan of that. Carlo loved it. I didn't, I didn't. I and then it tickled my fancy. I was just like, oh, I can't. I loved it. <laughs> a lot of people, and you'd think I would because I like morbidy kind of thing, but like that just. Is it that wasn't... a Tim Burton cartoon? I can't remember now. I don't know. Probably. And if it's not, we're sorry. But um, <laughs> I just, I just, it didn't. It was, it, I, I, my least favorite of, of all the cartoons I've seen. <laughs> Poor line. Now I need to know. Tell me things. Oh, and also, since we're on intermission right now, so Ethan, the one that she bought a uh, gift for, for since he's graduating, he was um, deemed prom king. At our prom. At the prom. Not our yes, prom. Today, or I guess Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's I don't really know. It doesn't even say. But it, it's like in the lineup with... All of Tim Burton's films, so maybe whatever. It, it just and 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 don't hate. I mean, I mean, if you want to hate me, fine. That's like, whatever. It's your prerogative. But it just wasn't my jam. It really, really wasn't. And and maybe I don't know if it's because I was. Ex- I don't know what I was expecting. But even like not expect. It, I just I just was. It, it, it. it rubbed me the wrong way. But anyway, back to, now back that we're to not this man fucking sewing, sewing his, his eyes shut. shut. So, um, in 1860, only a few years after Bridget's death. Peter took his two youngest daughters, um, eight-year-old Delia Josephine, and six-year-old. I'm gonna go with Honora. Okay. I really so like I'm assuming his eyes are open if he's taking them somewhere. Yeah. Okay. This was before he went nuts, nuts. Okay. Um, but he ends up taking them, these two girls, to the Boston Female Asylum, which was an orphanage for indigent girls whose mission, messages I'm fine. Wow. Whose mission? was to receive, protect, and instruct female orphans until they were 10 years old, and then they were placed basically with other fa- with respectable families. What is indigent? Or whatever indigent, that indigent, which is just like, oh, I looked it up even. It's just like um, indigent girls. It's Well, it's basically like saying that they're um, parentless and that they are... It's indigenous? No, it's indigent. I know, but I mean, it was, is it a word from... Okay. Indigent. Gonna Google it. Oh, now there's indigenous. Indigent. Definition, please. A charity for the relief. Oh, no, that's a needy person. Oh. So just like needy children. For needy children. Needy girls. Okay. Girls who are in need of decent families because this guy may have known he was crazy and then, you know, so is his eyes shut. Dum dum. Right. Um, Peter surrendered the two girls, and then he never sees them again, so... Literally. 
Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so this is 18. Okay, I do talk about what how Oh, I just said how old they were, did I not? Yeah, 8-year-old yeah, and 6-year-old. So, um, it's said in documents from the asylum they were rescued from a very miserable home. I mean, if their dad's so in their eyes, his well, eyes he's an alcoholic, and, an abusive alcoholic and, and heartbroken crazy. and too. Right. But and just all these crazy on top of it. That, yeah. that is I mean, you know what? So something good not that it's most of the orphanages you hear about back in the day. It ends up not being better for them well, going to this orphanage. So most orphanages, the, you know, the look, the, judging a book by the cover. Right. <laughs> you know, like, oh, this is fantastic. And then you read and you're like, oh, fuck, no, no yeah. way. So um, no records exist of Delia and Honora's um, experiences during their time in the asylum, but reportedly Delia ended up becoming a prostitute, just like their older sister, Nellie, who she wasn't taken to the asylum because I think she was too old. Um, and then Delia was committed to an insane asylum after prostitution life. So it was said that, um, I don't know when her name changes to Jane, but it was said that Jane was a very, or Honora, which is, yeah, Jane Toppin. I wonder she, if that was her middle name. Uh... I don't know. Uh, it was She was very mischievous as a child, prone to lying and committing petty theft, but she was incredibly smart. So in her schoolwork and her profession later on, she was one of the leaders in her class and was brilliant and aggressive in all things. She was just very intense with how she handled life. Hmm. So in November of 1862, less than two years after their father abandons them, Honora is placed as the servant in the home of Mrs. Anne C. Toppin of Lowell, Massachusetts. She was never formally adopted, but she took their surname and eventually became known as the Toppin. The Toppin family had another daughter named Elizabeth, who Honora was very close with, which is important. Remember that for later. Okay. Um, she worked at the Toppin house for a decade, working for, and then ended up working for her foster sister, Elizabeth Brigham, and her husband, Oramel. <laughs> Every time I type that, I'm like, Oragel. That's all I can think about. Or I was thinking of Orville Redenbacher. Orville Red And he was a, a deacon of the Lowell Church. Um, Elizabeth treated Jane very well, but Jane resented Elizabeth because she was beautiful and admired. And um, Elizabeth's mother verbally abused Jane when they were living in the home. So she knew, obviously, she was, um, well, she wasn't a biological child. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, Jane Elizabeth was treated better because she birthed her, but they still took her in her home. But she was there working as a servant, but became more like family. I don't know. It's a weird dynamic. It sounds like she was like, so like, okay, her dad dropped her off, and there she was eight? Six. Six. So she so was six. She was adopted out, or not quite adopted, so yeah. two years later, less So than she two, was uh, eight years eight old when years she gets to live. And lived with them for a decade? Ten years, yeah. So she okay. was 18. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry, yes. I'm just trying to get the timeline. Yeah. So, now we're in 1882. Oh, no, 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 no. I need a yawn. Okay, Jane was 28 years old and began training okay. to be a nurse at Cambridge Hospital in Middlesex County, Massachusetts. So, unlike her early years, she was described as, um, as brilliant and terrible. At the hospital, she was well-liked, bright and friendly, and even evoked the nickname Jolly Jane. So once I don't know when she just decided to change her name to that because apparently Honora was just not or Honora I think Honora I just really like that Honora really sounds better off rolls off the tongue a little better Honora. but either way beautiful but, and different yes so once she became close with patients she picked favorites which I mean that tends to happen um, and they were all typically very elderly and sick. She ended up using her patients as guinea pigs in experiments with morphine and um, atropine atropine. Which was a medication used to treat certain types of nerve, no nerve agent and pesticide poisonings, as well as types of slow heart rate, and to decrease saliva production during surgery. I looked it up because I didn't know what atropine was. Really, really. If I'm even saying it right, I am not a doctor. Um, what? You're not a doctor? No. Huh. Haven't been a doctor since episode one. <laughs> so I remember there were so many things. I'm like, <laughs> uh, Kelly would try to pronounce things. And I'm like. <laughs> Not doctors. So sorry that we're butchering this. Okay. But so she would alter, uh, she altered their prescribed dosages to see what it would do to their nervous systems. She spent much time alone with patients making up fake charts. I almost said fart charts because well, I was trying charts. to put fake charts together. <laughs> My goodness. Made up fake, 
fake charts mm-hmm. and then medicating them to drift in and out of consciousness and even would get into bed with them. That's not where it gets weird. Okay. Um, it was reported she would fondle her victims as they died and attempted to see their inner workings of their souls through their eyes. When later questioned, uh, Toppin stated she derived a sexual thrill from patients being near death, coming back to life, and then dying again. She would, admi- uh, uh, she would administer a drug mixture to the patients she chose as victims, laid with them, and then held them close as they died. That's so... Okay, bell time. Okay, you hear so many... And I know Nate usually gives us females, so I appreciate that so much. Yes. But, like... The necrophilia, and I know it's not quite necrophilia, but it's kind of close. Like these yeah. people can't can't do much of anything. They're basically invalid. Yeah, like, so or next to vegetable vegetative state. I always think you know a man's gonna put his penis in a woman, but yeah. not a woman like hugging. I mean, what? Well, and and, and we, it doesn't state specifically if it's just men or if it's male and female. So who knows who she's arousing? Yeah. That's just, it just, it just, I don't know why it's mind blowing to me that a woman's doing this. Obviously, yeah, she had male and female patients that she would do that with. Didn't matter. Just if they were sick and elderly, she. And being elderly, too. Like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah, that's what got her jollies off. (laughs) See what I did there? I'm gross. Um, Okay, so. Okay, had to burp. Spaghetti was for dinner. It was great. Okay. Um, She was. Ended up being recommended for the prestigious Massachusetts General Hospital in 1889. So this is seven years later. Um, after she starts, you know, getting her jollies off. Uh-huh. So she's 30-something, 30 35. Yeah, she'd be 35, depending on if it's after March right, or not. Right, right. There she claimed more victims before being fired the following year. Um, she returned to Cambridge, but was soon dismissed for giving opiates recklessly. <coughs> I need water. Should have brought a drink down here, but I'm back. Any drink of my monster? No, thank you. Okay. She then started a career as a private nurse and flourished despite complaints of petty theft. So killing and stealing money. So you just lived her best life, is what I wrote. So then, um, <coughs> her poisoning spree continued in 1895, killing. So she ends up moving on to people who aren't even sick. She ends up killing her landlord Israel Dunham and his wife, whose name was Lovely. And in 1899, she ends up killing her foster sister, Elizabeth, with a dose of strychnine, which is a toxic, colorless, bitter, crystalline alkaloid used, um, usually used as a, for a pesticide. Mm-hmm. It was said in one article she confessed, quote, I held her in my arms and watched with delight as she gasped her life out, Jane said about watching her foster sister died. Die. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, <sighs> So, um, and then her next victim after that is named Mary McNear, who was a patient who died on December 28th, 1899, at the age of 70. Um, Florence Calkins was Elizabeth's housekeeper, her foster sister's housekeeper, and she died January 15th, 1900. She was aged 45. She's poisoning people left and right. Um, Next was another patient, William Ingraham. I'm guessing. He died January 27th, 1900 at age 70. And then following him was Sarah Connors, who was a patient and a friend of Jane's, who died February 11th, 1900, um, aged 48. So, isn't Sarah Connor the fucking Terminator chick? Like, isn't that... Maybe. Isn't that... Am I wrong? People? Uh, answer. Answer me. <laughs> hello? Can you hear us while we're recording this? Have you even heard of so. I think it's Sarah Connor. I think that's... that's I really think you're right. That sounds right. I think right. that's her name. I think God, that's her character now I name. I need to watch Terminator. It's been a hot minute. Um, so, in 1901... So, yeah. That's from 18... December of 1899 to February of um, 1900. She killed one, two, three, four... So four people, back to back to back to back. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Starting in 1899, she ended up killing her foster sister. Goodness gracious. So, like, five people within a matter, like, weeks of each other. So, in 1901, she ends up moving in with um, an elderly man named Alden Davis and his family in, I'm going to guess, Catamet? Catamet? Oh, no. I'm so sorry. There's a boogie. To take care of him after the death of his wife, Maddie, who was killed on July 4th, 1901 by Jane. Oh, somebody get killed? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're talking about someone who got killed. Yeah, Arlo. 
Yeah. Okay. You got a popsicle? Lucky. Her eyes look so tired, little baby. Mm-hmm. So, and then within weeks, Alden, his sister Edna, um, she died August 26, 1901, at the age of 77. Two daughters, Minnie, August 13, 1901, aged 40, and Genevieve died Jan- July 31st, 1901, and were all killed. So his entire family gets taken out Jeez. within weeks of each other. So, yeah. All so. with a strychnine concoction? Or? Yep. Strychnine or any kind of opiate kind of morphine concoction that she could muster up. Um, the surviving members of the Davis family ordered a toxicology exam on Alden's youngest, Alden Davis's youngest daughter, Minnie. Um, nom, nom, nom. The report showed she had been poisoned and authorities, why do, okay, mm-hmm. assigned a police detail on top and to watch her. So on October 29th, 1901, just a couple months after her final kill, she was arrested for murder. By 1902, she had confessed to 31 murders, but had, may have been as, um, no, hold on, but may have been responsible for as many as 100 deaths during a 10-year span. Holy shit. So how, what's the highest serial killer for women? Number. I don't know. Maybe she's Because I know, because Samuel Little killed 93. Isn't that what it was? I thought it was 70-something. Maybe it was 90-something. I don't remember. I thought it was 93. Okay, you're probably right. You're the one who told me to watch it. <laughs> I am, but that doesn't mean I remember things, Nicole. I know. We watch so many dead murder things. That's fine. But, yeah, I don't know. I She may... Well, just, you know, all those patients that were in hospitals. Right, probably just she, thought they were... 100%. Went to sleep and didn't wake fucking, up. She's the... She might be the top... Female serial killer. Oof. So after her arrest, one of Toppin's patients, Amelia Finney, who had been a patient at Cambridge Hospital in 1887, went to the public with her encounter encounter with Jolly Jane. She heard Nurse Toppin... um, Oh, she heard. I keep having burps. I'm so sorry. She said Nurse Toppin gave her some bitter-tasting medicine, which that immediately made me think of... um, uh, cyanide, oh, because it's <laughs> cyanide from learning from Edgar Allan Poe mm-hmm. tastes like bitter almonds. Mm-hmm. So that's what my brain went to right away. Um, but she had this bitter tasting medicine after she had her surgery and drifted into consciousness, unconsciousness. Oh my God, Nicole. In and out of, I thought you were going to yes. say. Yes. Drifted into unconsciousness. Toppin then climbed into bed with her and began kissing her all over her face. Before she could end Amelia's life, someone ended up walking in the room and saw them in the bed together. The next morning, Finney wrote the incident off as a bad dream until she read of Toppin's arrest 14 years later. So then she ended up coming forward like, I thought this was just a dream I had, but no, woke up in this lady's... the first Me Too moment. (sighs) Good job! Thanks, Amelia. (laughs) 1887, man. Woo, here we are 200 years later. Not not quite 200, but you know what I'm... You catch my drift. Um... So soon after the trial, the New York Journal printed uh, what was supposedly Toppin's confession to her lawyer, claiming that she had killed more than 31 people, and then she went to the jury to find, um, and she wanted the jury to find her sane so she could eventually have a chance at being released. Ha ha! Wow. Toppin, yeah, she, that's freaking bold. But um, Toppin insisted upon her own sanity in court, claiming that she could not be insane if she knew what she was doing and knew that it was wrong. But nonetheless, she was declared insane and committed. So she was on June 23rd in the Barnstable County Courthouse. She was found not guilty by reason of insanity and committed for life in the Taunton Insane Hospital. Mm. Um, Her trial lasted eight hours and they only deliberated for 27 minutes. Well, there you go. That's how long it took the jury. Um, she ended up living there for 36 years before dying at the age of 81 on August 17th, 1938. So she lived actually kind of a long life, but she was in an insane asylum. Um, How awful at the same time to be in an insane asylum when you're not insane. Yeah, it's that's and not able crazy. to make your medicine, your your death medicine either. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, imagine if she that was hell like, on earth for her. <laughs> shit, literally. It's funny that you say that mm-hmm. because she, Toppin is often considered an angel of death, mm-hmm. a type of serial killer who takes on caretaker role and attacks the vulnerable and dependent, though she also murdered for seemingly more personal reasons, such as the in the case of the Davis family. It is possible Toppin was also motivated by jealousy in the case of the murder of her foster s- sister, who on the surface she seemed to have a good relationship with. She later described her motivation as a paralysis of thought and reason, a strong urge to poison, 
At one point, it was more than just murder. She reportedly poisoned a housekeeper just enough so that she appeared drunk in order to steal her job and kill the family. Um, She even poisoned herself to evoke the sympathy of men who courted her. She claimed her murderous ways were sparked by being dumped when she was 16 years old, a woman scorned by role. Um, It was quoted that Jane said, quote, If I had been a married woman, I probably would have not killed all of those people. I would have had my husband, my children, and my home to take up my mind, end quote. Horseshit. She had been in a relationship with a Lowell office worker who gave her a promise ring with a bird engraved on it, and then he moved to, um, I think it's Holyoke. And fell in love with another woman, so... Good for him. Yeah, thank God. He probably would have ended up murdered, too. But, okay. I have a smart scan running on my computer, but that's fine. But, yeah. So, that's uh, that's the weirdest... That is... This is just... Wow. Wow, wow. I can understand them saying, no, you have to be crazy because nobody in their right mind would do that. Right. But she was... Her, Her facts were... Her statements were facts. Like, technically. I mean, that would... In a court of law today... You know, you're not insane because you knew what you were doing. You yeah. planned it out. That was so you're, you're just, what's the word? Because you want to say you're just fucking crazy. Cuckoo not crazy. You know, but you're not. You're just a, so, is that a sociopath, psychopath? That's, I guess that's psycho. I feel like that's more sociopath because they just, they're so detached from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She like has no conscience. Like, yeah. But then again, I don't know. Maybe psychopath might be better. Maybe both. I don't know. Socio psychopath. Psychosio. Psychosiopath. <laughs> We're just making up new terms. That's... Doctors out there in the world, we are helping you. You're yeah. welcome. Because you're listening to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and then when they do, they're going to be like, mm. First just of message all. now to talk about psychos. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> all right. All right. So Shauna's going to enlighten us with some... I don't, you're not going to be enlightened, guys. No. There's no enlightening. <laughs> well, I mean, it de- is what it is. I de- don't know. De- I've never read it decompress from Jolly Jane. Perhaps. And her okay, so I did not get this from Ranker, ladies and gentlemen. <gasps> I got this. I know. Ooh. Still. Okay, so this is from mentalfloss.com. <laughs> okay. 14 just... terrifying horror movies inspired by real life events. And I am reading this for the first time just as you're hearing this for the first time. So it's going to be terribly great. You were right with the terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you said mental floss, and all I can think of is like floss going through a brain, and it's like, I hate it. (laughs) I don't like it. Okay, so again, I'm reading it verbatim. Yep. Okay, and this was done by um, Fred Foster on February 9th, 2021. Yes. The horror movie genre has been provoking terror in viewers of all ages as far back as the 19th century. Horror writers like Edgar Allan Poe, Bram Stoker, and Mary Shelley inspired many early horror films which centered around the otherworldly threats like werewolves, vampires, and dark magic. You did say February 9th, right? I did. It was a Tuesday. (laughs) 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 Most scary movies continue to be complete fabrications today, but every so often, a film comes out that draws from a true story. Here are the most bone-chilling films based on actual fa-events. 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 We're just blending all these words together for you guys. We're going to write a new dictionary, the Bloody Babbles Dictionary. Listening to Shauna. A Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984. Yes! Premise. A ghostly murderer terrorizes his victims in their dreams at night. Spoiler alert! Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Real life inspiration. When developing A Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven drew inspiration from stories he read in the newspaper. The Los Angeles Times had reported an eerie excuse me, had reported on eerie incidents of young refugees from Asia passing away unexpectedly in their sleep. Many resisted sleep altogether to avoid the nightmares they associated with the mysterious syndrome. Craven said that the journalists never correlated um, the three articles, never said, hey, we've had another story like this. The third one was the son of a physician. He was about 21. I've subsequently found out this is a phenomenon in Laos, Cambodia. Laos. Every, or Laos, excuse yes. me, I apologize. 
Everybody in his family said almost exactly these lines. You must sleep. He said, no, you don't understand. I've had nightmares before. This is different. Oh, Ooh, that just gave me chills. Um, the victim could have been saved. Even the doctor's son reportedly took sleep medication. He was unable to fall asleep. Craven didn't remember exactly how long he stayed awake, but estimated it was close to a week. He eventually passed out on the sofa while watching TV with his family. No. Feeling relieved, his family brought him to his bedroom and put the boy to bed. They thought the worst of the incident uh, was behind them, but they were about to get a terrible surprise. No. The family was woke up in the night by a loud commotion. They rushed to their son's bedroom, but it was too late. He was already dead when they found him. The autopsy done on the body did little to solve the mystery. Wild. There was no sign of a heart attack or any other clear reason for his death. They later learned he had been drinking coffee to stay awake and and spitting out his sleep medication. The story stuck with Craven, and after thinking about it for a year, he decided to turn it into a supernatural thriller. That's a that's a very that's like walking the line there. Not that I don't absolutely love and adore Freddy Krueger because I do. It's one of my favorites. And um, <laughs> but I mean he's but I mean what possibly but like what an imagination like okay so so what can yeah. I'm going to make this monster. Like, that, makes me, that reminds me of the Russian sleep experiment. That's like... Oof. Well done, Wes Craven. R.I.P. Okay. Child's Play, 1988. <clears throat> Premise. The soul of a serial killer possesses a doll and uses his new form to terrorize people. Isn't this like Robert the Doll? I think I'm just ruining your story. Thanks. I don't know. Keep going. It's not my story. <sighs> it's Frank, whoever, if that was his name. I don't remember who I said wrote this. Sorry. Some, some Mr. Frank, I think. I don't, I don't know. Mental floss. <laughs> Real life inspiration. Robert Eugene Otto, an artist living in Florida in the early 20th century, alleged that one of his house servants had cursed his childhood doll. You were right, Nicole. Robert, Robert the, the doll, doll would supposedly yep. appear in different rooms, knock things down, and even talk to his owner. Oh, Otto yeah. kept the toy locked away until he passed away and a new family occupied the house. Oh. The new owners also reported strange goings on. They blamed on Robert. Yeah. Anyone can see the doll today at Key West Fort East Martello Museum. Because I think, I thought the Warrens had him for a while. But Maybe. That might be, because I know they have Annabelle. Right, yes. Because I remember watching live on Facebook when they moved the Annabelle doll and I'm mm-hmm. like, and that's just a Raggedy Ann doll, but mm-hmm. it's just like, <sighs> yep, yeah. But the Annabelle movie doll, mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of her. No, and and obviously they needed it to be creepier for yeah. You know, but like, I think it's fucking creepy that it's it was Raggedy, a Raggedy Ann, Ann doll, doll, which is absolutely loved and adored. Mm-hmm. Um, babble time for just sure. a moment. So, um, your son Peyton, when he comes home from college, he stays here at my parents' house up in our spare bedroom because oh gosh, um, I know this. And um, <laughs> I was tortured as a child by my parents. Um, they would buy me Barbie dolls that I couldn't play with. I have over forty of them upstairs in the that bedroom. And Peyton in was boxes. Like, That's what she's saying because she wasn't allowed to play with them. Yeah, they they're still in their box. Um, some of them are actually worth money nowadays, but um. <clears throat> Peyton was like, so can we, like, move Nicole's Barbies out of the room? Because they creep me out. And I'm, my mom's like, uh, we don't have room to move them anywhere else. And no. and But I'm like. You're a guest here. You don't fucking live here. you're talking about child's play, how Chucky comes to life and stuff. And um, they're like, well, at least it's not a Chucky doll. And I'm like, summer is coming. Yeah. Peyton's coming home yep. soon. I'm like, May or may not have to order a Chucky doll and put it in his room and not no, tell him about it. I think you should just it. move the dolls. I think you should just move the Barbie dolls. I know. I told my mom, I'm like, I'm going to unbox some of them and just have them end up in the bed with him or beside him or mm-hmm. staring at him. Make sure the ones you unbox aren't worth money. Yes. Okay. Like the ones I want to keep forever. Like, <laughs> keep, there are some keepsakes that I want in there. But yeah. So I'm like, it's funny that you mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next one. The Amityville Horror. 1979. He just died. The guy, uh, Ronald DeFeo, he just died the other day. Premise. A family is terrorized by their new home where gruesome crimes were committed. Sorry, there's so many um, things on here, advertisements. Real life inspiration. The Amityville Horror is adapted from a book recounting the bizarre phenomena experienced by Lutz, by the Lutz or Lutz? Lutz. Lutz It's a Lutz family. Yep. In the 1970s, after yes. moving into their new house in Amityville, New York, they allegedly saw slime oozing from the walls yep. and a pig with glowing eyes looking at them. Ugh. 
Little did they know that Ronald DeFeo Jr. had killed his family in the house roughly a year before they moved in. The Lutz family lasted a month before leaving the house and the town. I think that's the premise for um, the one. I know they remade it with um, Ryan, not Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. Mm -hmm. Was it Ryan Reynolds? Yeah. And I, like most people see him as like a goofy uh, comedic actor, but man, him as, I love when comedic actors Mm -hmm. can turn on that darkness. Like I remember the first serious movie I saw Jim Carrey with and I'm like, holy shit. Yes, yes, yes. Like holy shit like mm-hmm. just the dynamics these people have because a lot of people i'm telling you watch freaky too even though like <laughs> it's on my you, list you need to like, i think i think jacob has it on his it's so, something it's, he can you watch will, it you will love it you also need to watch hey so does anybody listening <laughs> zoe's extraordinary playlist i'm just saying Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> okay sorry i do love it so, so okay okay psycho okay and here's the thing oh, i was just watching um I want to see the original. I was watching. I was. I why now? I'm not gonna be able to think of his name unless it says it in this article. Vince and I were on a on a serial killer uh, watching thing or whatever, and um, on oxygen. (laughs) Yes, on TLC. No, on um, ID or okay. Oxygen was having a bunch of things about serial killers this last week. So no, no, I don't think we have oxygen. Anyway, um, it was about the Buffalo, like where Buffalo Bill and, 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 um, oh, I can't, I think of, uh, Bill not Buffalo Bill. Oh my God. Like Buffalo Bill. Like, it's like. Why can't I think of it? The guy who's like, he puts lotion on the skin. Oh, uh, uh, silent, yeah, silence of Hannibal Lecter? No. No. No, 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 no. Okay, whatever, that guy, and he was also, like, white chainsaw massacre and all that, like, and. Leatherface. And, 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 and uh, yes, Leatherface, sorry. And Psycho, and like, about the, the. And I'm sure it's going to say the guy's name, so I should probably just shut the fuck up. But anyway, I watched a documentary about it and um, about the real Bates. dude. And um, Oh, yeah. Wowzers. About yeah, how them finding the, 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 the woman hanging upside down. And, oh, what, my God. Okay. It, Let me just read this because it might tell you everything that I'm trying to spit out and afterwards. am able not to. Psycho, 1960. <laughs> Premise. A secretary winds up in a shady motel where the innkeeper is hiding a dark secret. Mother. Real life inspiration. The murderer, Norman Bates, uh, at the center of the psycho, was was at least partly inspired by serial killer Ed Gein. Why couldn't I fucking think of that? I was going to say it's Ed Gein, but... Sorry. It's fine. I don't... I'm not pregnant. I'm going to say, you know what? Diabetes brain. Okay. (laughs) Gein was known for preying on women and robbing graves graves in Wisconsin in the 1950s. Shauna, keep it together. He also kept, quote-unquote, trophies from his victims and yep. turned them into grotesque keepsakes like belts and furniture covers. Things Ed Gein is perhaps a serial killer with the greatest influence on the horror genre and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Silence of the Lambs. Also features killers inspired by Gein. I just remembered what I was watching. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry, I just yelled. Sorry about your ears. It wasn't um, that bad. It was um, like a paranormal... Uh, I can't think of what it was called. Uh-huh. The dude who was on it, he's 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 apparently a rapper. I didn't know that. But he also has all these other horror um, documentaries that he's done. Uh-huh. And then he has a medium with him. Ooh. And her name's Cindy. I can't oh. think of his name. But anyway, so they went to get more information about this, and they went to the house that was burned down that dude lived in, and 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 everything she was feeling and seeing, and she was provide. I mean, granted, you kind of know about Ed Gein if you well, whatever, yeah. But but you know, they weren't giving her more information that it was amazing. I'll have to ask Vince what it was and let you know. It was so good, so interesting, and I love mediums. I love. Right. Seeing them, especially in shows like that. Like, I love... Cindy Kaza. Yeah, good job. Yeah. It was phenomenal. It was really, really well done. Oh, and Discovery Plus. Thank you. Yes, it was Discovery Plus. Um, Oh, oh, because Buffalo Bill is from the Silence of the Lambs. What what was the show called that I just Um, watched? (laughs) Paranormal Investigator Steve Shippey. Mm -hmm. And world-renowned psychic medium Cindy Kaza traveled to his... What? Shock Docs. Yes, Shock Docs. It was really, really well done. It was so cool. It began I, streaming literally two days ago. So. And I believe we literally watched it two days ago. Well, guess or a day. what I'm going to be It was looking. so good. And I think some of our kiddos watched it with us. I could be wrong. I don't know. When I'm zoned into a show, who knows?
knows who's in front of me? Yeah. Okay, sorry, guys. Okay, so the next one. The Exorcist, 1973. <laughs> Here we go. I was almost named Reagan. You that totally... Was... That would fit your face, too. It would. <laughs> like, I, I like that name, though. Yeah, like, not but because, that's, that know. was one of the names my dad wanted to name me, and my mom was like, mm, no. <laughs> well... Premise: A girl is possessed by a demon, and two priests must perform an exorcism on her. Oh, I love that film. Real life inspiration. Before writing the novel *The Exorcist* and eventually adapting it into a movie, author William Blatty, 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 okay, read a curious article in the Washington Post. The headline read: "Priest frees Mount Rainer boy reported held in devil's grip." Yep. Blatty was fascinated by the story of a group of priests fighting to save a boy from supposed demonic possession in Maryland. The priests reported the victim speaking in tongues and even claimed to see his bed and other objects move on their own. It inspired him to write his own book about an exorcism. Newspapers were also interested in this story. The director of the movie, William Friedkin, Friedkin, yeah. later said in an interview, maybe one day they'll discover the cause of what happened to that young man. But back then, it was only curable by an exorcism. Yep. Oh, I've, I've read a lot into that because I absolutely, that's one of my dad's favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Like his favorite horror film. Because oh, when she walks down the stairs oh, yeah. backwards on like her hands. Mm-hmm. Ah, he went on to comment on the article saying the Washington Post article says that the boy was possessed and exercised. That's pretty out on a limb for a a national newspaper to put on its front page but you're not going to see that on the front page of an intelligent newspaper unless there's something there yeah even the um sequels or the prequels or whatever they did with it like there was one where i don't remember which one it is but the girl's like in a barn and the way she crawls up the wall and the way she it's there was one that was like newer like that and she like ends up bending over almost backwards the mm. actress actually could do that yeah it that which makes it so much creepier especially when your makeup's all like i'm fucked up and and demonic like it was yeah she was phenomenal oh i'm getting chills all over okay next the girl next door premise a boy doesn't take action when he learns a neighborhood woman is abusing her niece real life inspiration Jack Ketchum's fiction book, The Girl Next Door, was inspired by the real-life killing of 16-year-old Sylvia Likens. We've actually been asked about that case. Here we go. It's so bad. In Indiana in 1965, Sylvia and her sister Jenny Mm -hmm. ended up being looked after by a family friend when their parents dropped everything to join a carnival. Gertrude. The woman Gertrude Baniszewski... Yep. Trapped Sylvia in her basement where she tortured her and starved her until she died. Yeah. Some kids from the neighborhood even aided in the horror that took place at that house. I think somebody requested us to do it. We may well, have to do it. Now that it's have you, have you looked into that at all? Any? Oh, okay. I have not. Maybe I'll do. Maybe, maybe Sylvia like and Sylvia case. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tons of info. Yes. The Conjuring 2013. Premise. <sighs> When a family notices strange occurrences in their new home, a pair of paranormal investigators are called in to help. I love those, that franchise. Mm-hmm. I love it. That it's and Insidious, love it. <clears throat> I fucking love it. Real life inspiration. Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yes! Them. Rest in peace. R.M.P. Yeah. R.M.P. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The characters at the center of The Conjuring were a real-life married couple. They investigated many famous hauntings, but The Conjuring is based on their experience with no, with the parents. When the family moved into a Rhode Island home in 1971 and began noticing strange phenomena, they sought help from experts. Director James Wan mm-hmm. told Entertainment Weekly in 2013, when Insidious came out and was successful, the story about the Warrens came to me, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is really cool. It's fucking intense. Um, the Conjuring spawned a franchise. James Wan decided to further indulge his interest in ghost stories from real life by launching a film franchise based on the popularity of The Conjuring. I love um, Vera Farmiga. She per- she portrays Lorraine mm-hmm. in the films, and she's, I think she's a phenomenal she did really, yeah. actress. The director said, I didn't just want to make another ghost story or another supernatural film. One thing I had never explored was the chance to tell a story that's based on real-life characters, real-life people. So those were the things that led me to The Conjuring. The follow-up to The Conjuring was Annabelle, which tells the story of an allegedly haunted doll the Warrens had. 
And then so Mr. now Potato that head. goes into um, The Conjuring 2. Mommy. 2016. Premise. In this sequel, the Warrens jump in time to England to investigate a supposed ghost haunting the Hodge... Supposed ghost haunting the Hodgson family. Hello. I can read. In England. Yes. We just watched this the other day. Oh. And I may or may not have traumatized my child. Well. Okay. Real life inspiration. Here you go. The inspiration behind this film is the story of the infield poltergeist. A woman named Peggy Hodgson's. Hodgson. And her kids experience a series of strange phenomena in their home in the late 1970s. Yeah, this one was really good. Yeah. Furniture levitated on its own, and Peggy's daughter, Janet, allegedly went into a trance and spoke in the man-like voice of Bill Wilkins, who died on the property before they moved. Oh, and, I just watched this just the other day. Yeah, I think my kiddos did a couple weeks ago. And that's where the nun shows up, too. Yeah. Which a lot of people weren't impressed with that movie, but I loved it. It was, I thought it was good. Uh-huh. Um, but the ki- my kiddos were like, boo. Not... <laughs> I That's thought she. Boob, I thought she boob. was creepier in The Conjuring too, mm-hmm. like just her presence because she's the spirit who, right, right, right. who's actually controlling Bill's spirit. It's like it's like Inception. Yes, like yes. Oh, God, the freaking love The Conjuring. But yeah, Arlo, I mean, he may probably You know, it. with who is, if, if anybody's listening and getting upset that it is what it is, you know, like kids can watch people be murdered in shows or whatever, and that's okay. Or watching like, YouTube I mean, like, videos is, that have dark things. Yeah, this all is over them. fake, and you let the kids. Know. And if they're interested, if they don't, if they're not interested, they're not going to watch it. I couldn't watch that stuff when I was little, and I knew yeah. that, so I wouldn't. Whereas but, I was watching all of that yeah, stuff because but, and, my brother, right, is and a, and my husband, her brother, yeah, like so, movie you know, and and Arlo yeah. likes it. We're not going to have yeah. it. No, you need to sit down and watch. If he wants to watch it, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So he was he mostly on my phone for some things. of it, but in the scary, intense parts, he'd watch it. So. And that's so funny. I've noticed that with him, like on Stranger in Stranger he Things. He loves Stranger Things. Like when the rat blew up, I'm like, I can't eat. Like I knew it was going to happen. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But he was like, Did you see that, Nana? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, but, so yes, I'm not torturing my no, child. No, there's no torture. I just, I don't shelter him. Yeah, and this is a judge-free zone. Yeah, but then I also explained to him. Oh, yes. I mean, I know that it's based on real events because I know this, but he's four. I'm like, honey, those aren't real monsters. It's okay. And then... I now um, have Well, him. Stranger Things is not based on real events. No, 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 no. Because we watched The Conjuring 2. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, yeah. I was still stuck in Stranger Things. I no, Conjuring 2. When we watched it the other day at Jacob's house. But yeah, I, I explained to him, I'm like, those are just pretend, you know. And then when we get ready to go to bed at night and he hears my parents walking upstairs because our floors, it's kind of an older house. And he gets a little scared. Sure. But I'm like, you got to remember, I'm like, mommy's here to protect you. Mm-hmm. And that's and I'm like, that's why Zoe sleeps at our feet. So if anything tries to get us while we sleep, Zoe gets them before oh, yeah. they come to us. Mm-hmm. So Zoe is his superhero dog. So yeah, she's Please a unicorn. Come at me. My son just likes horror movies. It, it is. And dark it is. things. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He's being raised by little morbid weirdos. Facts. <laughs> and and I'm the other one raising him as well. And so my and then my husband, who you guys have no idea who he is. Well, maybe some of you. But um Yeah. One day I'm gonna get him on here. Hello. It's Vincent, so yeah. one day. <laughs> Good luck, Arlo. Okay. <laughs> and Apollo eventually. <laughs> oh, we as well start playing the Halloween theme song on my stomach. That's it, that's it. <laughs> okay. Next Open movie. Water, two thousand three. Premise, a pair of scuba divers left behind by their tour group must survive sharks on the open sea. Sharks. Real life inspiration. In 1998, U.S. tourists Tom and Eileen Lonergan really were stranded near the Great Barrier Reef when the diving group they were with forgot about them. Oh my gosh. Uh It took the company two days to catch on, holy mother of pearl, and send people to rescue them. Two fucking days. Take count, people. Count how many fucking heads you have there that are supposed to be on the yeah, ship or the boat or whatever with you. Ew. Wow. Sorry. Two days. That's disgusting. That's... Two hours. Okay. Maybe I'll give you, but two days. Mm. No, don't turn on the TV. Okay. Because we're, we're recording right now. Okay, baby. so two days before they sent people to go rescue them. The couple was never recovered. Nor were their bodies. The huh. only evidence they left behind was a diver's slate that read Monday, January 26, 1998, 8 a.m. To anyone who can help us, we have been abandoned on, um, it looks like 
Agen, A-G-I-N, Court Reef by um, MV Outer Edge, 25 January, 98, 3 p.m. Please help us. Come to rescue us before we die. Help with three exclamation points. Oh, that's so heartbreaking. Yeah. I didn't know that movie was based on... I don't know. I've if, never I don't know seen if I want to... I've never seen it. I don't think so either. Not yet, anyways. Right, yeah, you're out. All right. Okay. The Blob. <laughs> 1958. Premise. Yeah. A gelatinous alien life form from outer space consumes everything it comes into contact with. Me. Real in a life. Store. <laughs> real life inspiration, Nicole. <laughs> in a grocery store. <laughs> Went there the other day when I was hungry and bought way too much. <laughs> now I have a lot of snacks at my desk. <laughs> the Blob isn't a movie most viewers expect to be based on a true story. That's bananas. Yes, I want. I'm gonna have to read this to Vince. Though it may seem unlikely, the New York Times ran a story in 1950 that sounded awfully similar to the premise of the film. The article titled... Titled? Hey, yo! Tatered the- salad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the article titled, A Saucer Floats to Earth, A Theory is Dished Up, focused on a group of Pennsylvania cops who found strange goop known as star jelly. The transparent, jelly-like material began to break down as soon as the officers touched it, so they were unable to collect proof of their discovery. Huh. It's like the opposite of gremlins. Weird, right? Star jelly sounds delightful, though. I kind of want to eat some star jelly. (laughs) But then we wouldn't be able to, because it would dissolve in our hands. Just like it? Uh, Maybe? Maybe maybe saliva wouldn't have hurt it. I don't know. Me and Sean are going to be licking jelly, guys. <laughs> Keeping us on jelly. We're going to be... We're going to find gelatinous globs here and there. Oh. we got to lick it. Can I sniff? <laughs> smells, smells good? <laughs> All right, the next one. A Haunting in Connecticut. Oh, this story is fucking wild. 2009. Damn. A family moves into a haunted house in Connecticut to be closer to their son as he undergoes cancer treatment. Bananas. Real-life inspiration. In 1986, a family named the Snedekers really did report a haunting in Connecticut. Their house had previously functioned as a funeral home. It was even thought that the old inhabitants engaged in necromancy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. These Mm -hmm. were some of the details that supported the Snedekers' claims of supernatural occurrences in their home. Beyond that, there was not a lot of evidence. Ooh. That movie, that was just such a... And then he ends up having not having cancer at the end. Mm. Yeah. Bananas. Okay. The Exorcism of Emily Rose. <gasps> I think that's the one I was might have been thinking of. I think that's... Annalisa? The, I think so. Yeah. I, 2009. Premise. I can't believe these movies are 12 years old. This right. is blowing me away right when now. When a girl dies during an exorcism gone wrong, a defense attorney takes on the priest's case. Priests. I couldn't, I didn't, I'm like, I don't know why I would have thought it would have said the priest's cage, but I had to make sure it said cage. It's fine. We're fine. Real life inspiration. Annalisa. The script of this movie was based on the story of a woman born in Germany in the 1950s. In the late 1960s, Annalise, or Annalisa, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Michelle or Mitchell? M-I-C-H-E-L? I think it's, it might be Michael. Michael? Hey. I don't know. Annalise M. M- <laughs> started entering disturbing uh, fugue states, F-U-G-U-E. Yep, okay. fugue, I think that's right. As her condition worsened, she became the subject of up to 67 exorcisms. Yeah. 67, guys, the real life. After refusing to eat or take medicine, M <laughs> passed away due to pneumonia when she was 23 years old. Uh, fugue is a state or period of loss of awareness of one's identity, often coupled with flight from one's usual environment, associated with certain forms of hysteria and epilepsy. Oh, wow. Oh, jeepers creepers. Oh, here's another one I've never heard of. The Serpent and the Rainbow, 1988. Premise. A story of a Haitian man who was buried alive and brought back as a zombie attracts the attention of an anthropologist. Mm. Real life inspiration. A real life um, ethnobotanist okay. named Wade Davis really did travel to Haiti to investigate a supposed, a supposed zombie sighting. The undead man in question was uh, Clairvius Narcisse. Ooh. 
1962, he reported having a fever, struggling to breathe, and feeling bugs crawling all over him. He died. And 20 years later, his sister Angelina claimed to spot him walking down the street. Okay. Well, time to move. Mm. (gasps) Wolf Creek, 2005. Premise, a twisted murderer named Mick Taylor hunts three hikers in the Australian outback and is... In this thrilling, Aust- in this thrilling Australian flick. Sorry that I butchered that one. Australia, help us out here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah Shauna needs to learn how to read. I know. <laughs> Real life inspiration. There are two actual inspirations behind this movie. The first is the story of serial killer Ivan Malat. <laughs> Who killed five foreign hikers <laughs> in the first half of the 1990s? That was really loud. The second true, well, yeah, Ivan Malat. Oh, okay. God, morbid covered that. Ugh. The second true life person that inspired the film's villain was Bradley John Murdoch. The convicted outlaw became infamous for stalking and killing a man named Peter Falconio. Okay. On a desolate road in Australia. In an even more quote unquote meta way, the rise of exorcism films in nineteen seventies inspired by real events led to the real life rise of cultural movement in the nineteen eighties that affected everything from music to children's toys. Up next, the story of satanic panic. Okay, sorry. Oh. So apparently I'm done. <laughs> okay. Never mind. They haven't covered Ivan Malat, but I've heard a lot about Malat. <laughs> Wait, is it is that over? The devil made them do it. Satanic panic in the 1970s movies. Okay, like the exorcist. I guess that's over. It's just funny how apparently on mental floss, they just go straight on to the next um, article. Article they're reading. Oh. Okay, so there you have it. But that next one looks really good. There <laughs> might be something else I want to read. Satanic panic. Hey, mental floss. Or they're just going on about yeah. Okay, sorry, I'm done. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there's your uh, your wicked films that have uh, related stories. Yeah, real life yeah. Um, touches. Yeah, yeah, uh, seasoning. I, yeah, Ivan Malat. He, whoosh. Yeah, he's he's a mm. gross. Maybe, we may have to we may have to look into him more. That's I, I know I know some about him, but not a lot. Once I get through these other cases, but um, yeah, that Sylvia Lykin story though, that shit's heavy. Oh. Heavy. Yeah. The things they Let's did get heavy her. on episode 50. H- heavy for episode 50. Now I want to look and see Sylvia Likens. I know a lot of people have covered her. Yeah. <coughs> oh, Let's I cover her better. <coughs> Let's cover her and tuck her in and wrap her up like a burrito. Huh? I wish I could have done that for her. Just I'm not going to ruin it for you right now. Because Let's do it. Okay, let's, let's do, do it with our words and our storytelling. Okay. Okay. There's a lot that goes into that story. So. Fantastic. Because I don't right. need a rabbit hole. Well, it would be kind of fun to have Kelly do one. But yeah. let's just have her. She's just going to be excited to be here, yes. I think. So, but yeah. Um, oh, man. I'm so, I keep, I, that's all I can think about right now is Sylvia Likens because, mm. ugh, it's just so gnarly. Maybe, I don't know if serial chillers... I don't know. It matter. I know we'll I've listened out. to her about we'll her. And we, if we don't do it next episode, we're going to do it yeah, on an episode. Um, yeah, for sure. So, um, as always, uh, Fantasy and World Music by the Fighters is our intro sound. Our homies on YouTube. Go love them and like them. Yes, yes. Um, uh, follow us on all social media platforms. Facebook and Instagram, Bloody Babbles Podcast. Twitter, Bloody Babbles. Email us, Bloody Babbles Podcast at gmail.com. I almost said Codpast. Hey. You know what? You'll figure it out. Gmail. We're at Gmail. (laughs) Um, uh, Please, 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 please rate and review. Um, I've had a lot of podcast friends who I've been, we've been exchanging rate and reviews. But um, yeah, those help us. Like, I would love for us to be on the charts in the United States. Not that it's not... I can't believe that. We're really popular in India. I love it. Which blows me away. Thank you, India. India, you are... Wow, it's such a beautiful country. Anyways, um, yeah, so that is it, our beautiful humans. Until next, next week. Wait, 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 wait. Before that, 
surprise for next week. The surprise is, well, it's not really a surprise. Excitement for next week. Kelly, Kelly will be Kelly. on. OG Kelly. Pew, 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 Love pew. her so much. I'm okay. so excited. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun to just have us all back in the same room together because it's been too long. Oh, and also Dawn, we love you. Still praying and, and sending good vibes. Um, yes. Please continue to do that, people. She had a rough weekend, um, but she's going to pull. I mean, it's going to be. You're gonna. Everybody has rough times. Um, so just yes. anyway, extra extra positive thoughts and healing energy for her, please. Yes. Oh, sweet God, we yes. love her so much. Yes, she's a wonderful human being. She truly is. All right. Well. Okay. Now <laughs> until next time, beautiful human. Babylon. Hi, I'm Kim. And I'm Jennifer. We're the hosts of the podcast Inebriated Input. Every other week, we get drunk and answer your questions. Whether it's how to handle a breakup or your latest roommate drama or just what you should buy if you're getting a cat, we're here for you. While drinking. A lot. And being generally charming and funny. Inebriated Input is available on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or basically anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And you can find more info at inebriatedinput.com. Cheers!